0: We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at CreekwoodUMC or our website CreekwoodUMC.org for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God.
1: This morning's reading is from Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 to 16. See what large letters I make when I am writing in my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them, and mercy upon the Israel of God. This is the Word of God for the people of God.
2: So I'd like to tap into your mind here for a little bit. I want you to um, put yourself in the shoes of three men, Andrew, Hans, and Rolf. And Andrew, Andrew, Hans, and Rolf are three men in the 1950s, 1960s. They're from Holland, and they feel through a... uh, group of experiences, this calling by God to smuggle Bibles, Slavic language Bibles, into um, now communist countries post-World War II. So I want you to put yourself in their shoes as you are coming up to the border of Romania, or Hungary, or Poland, or even Russia itself, and eventually China, You're coming up to the border, and at every border crossing, there's a long line of cars because there are checkpoints with armed soldiers, armed guards, who are uh, inspecting every inch of every vehicle to make sure that smuggled contraband, like the Bibles, the 500 Bibles, in your van, don't make it into their country. As you're about three cars back, you see that not only are they looking through the windows and making you get out and looking through the seat cushions, but they are taking apart engines to be so thorough to make sure that you don't get anything past them. What do you do knowing that should they find The contraband Bible that is in the back, much less the 500 contraband Bibles that are in the back of your van, it means a lifetime of prison. It means uh, political uh, political, uh, espionage charges. And you're facing all of this and you have to anticipate a line of cars and the fear that comes with anticipation of knowing that you might get caught. What do you do? What's your first answer to this problem? So I asked 14 acquaintances, friends, different people, mostly outside of Creekwood. Um, I don't know what you're thinking right now in the, in the, in the immediate, but these are the uh, initial responses that they had. One, run away. Fight or flight, it's obvious. Two. Ditch the cargo, try and spread the word by just memorization, right? Because we've all got it memorized. Three, bribe the guards. Four, this came up more than once, shoot the guards. Because that's going to end well. You know, the more I, now that I read these out loud, I think for the first time, it sounds like all my friends live in like a Jason Bourne or James Bond movie. Or at least in their minds, they think they do. Because these are all really good ideas when we're just responding off the, the cuff, right? These are all really good ideas that um, none of these are going to work. But every time, we, every time I pitched this idea, it really was like somebody had this grandess about them that they were a spy, or it was some MacGyver moment where they were going to fashion a, a bomb out of Cheetos, dental floss, and shark teeth, you know, something, or... Grey's Anatomy where all of a sudden they're in the midst of a surgery and somebody has this divine revelation that they can use somebody's kidney as a second lung and they'll figure out how to do that in the process. It's, this is the kind of, I mean, runaway is pretty easy, but as the people started generating ideas, the more that they got into it, the more I recognized that everybody thought they were a little more capable than they really were. And it seems part of this human condition, seems part of um, when we are faced with a problem, that most of us find that we think the answer lies somewhere deep inside of us. That like MacGyver, like James Bond, like whatever Grey's Anatomy doctor, like these people, that if we just dig deep within ourselves enough, we can find the solution to every answer for every problem that is out there ourselves. I had a professor in um, at TCU in my religion undergrad department and she said it's amazing that it only took us 17 years to get that way too. She was a professor she her class was History of Christian Thought Part 2. Part 1 was, you know, Uh, pre-medieval ages, essentially. It was kind of all the early church stuff, and and her area of specialty was the Enlightenment, how, how Christianity developed during the period of the Enlightenment. And she would say, yeah, it only took us 17 years to get this way. And the other thing she liked to say was the Enlightenment, this grand time of advancement for medicine and science and technology, architecture, music, art, all of these things that have infinitely made our lives better. She would say the Enlightenment was the best thing to happen for humanity and the worst thing to happen for humanity. she put it like this. 1620 is when Sir Francis Bacon publishes a work and it's the beginning of what would become known as the scientific method. It was instead of using deductive reasoning of having this big conclusion and trying to funnel things through the, con- the thought that you already had, it was inductive reasoning of let's look at the observations that we make, take the data, and make a conclusion off of this. And this was revolutionary at the time. Most of us would probably say that this is just second hand from seventh grade science. But at the time this was revolutionary and Sir Francis Bacon was an ardent Puritan. There have been papers written about how every inch of his paper, every inch of him wanting to explore the world came out of his faith and and the detail-oriented nature of the Puritan faith and almost legalism to some respect. But In 1620, Sir Francis Bacon started down the scientific enlightenment road because of God. Because of God, his faith was put into action to explore the world and know better about who God is and what God does. But it only took us 17 years, because in 1637, this is when Rene Descartes publishes his seminal work, and within it, this Um, great phrase of philosophy. If you you know it, join with me. I think, therefore I am. And it was um, largely, uh, the Enlightenment was a period of great doubt. It was a great time of skepticism, of seeing is what we see, is what is around us really real? Is what is our experience, what is the actual experience we have based upon this new science of observation? And so, Rene Descartes is throwing this out there, saying, well, because I can even doubt, that proves that I have existence. But what Dr. Fisher pointed out was, as we're looking at this new philosophy, in 17 years we have gone, because of God, I choose to be active in the world, and by 1637 it is, I am active in the world because of me. Because of God. And just in 17 years of doubt and question and observation because of me. And by 1689, John Locke publishes his essay on the human nature. And in it, he has decided that humans are born with a tabula rasa, a blank slate, that they can know nothing outside of that that they have experienced empirically and can taste, see, touch, smell, and feel. Which kicks off this whole line of questioning, or gives voice to the line of questioning. Is God real if I can't touch, taste, smell, feel God? It took us 17 years for the basis of our action. When we're confronted with a problem, when we're confronted with life, when we are journeying through life. It took us 17 years to journey from, because of God, I can face this problem because of God I can face tomorrow the great hymn says to well I will just figure it out because I am the reason for my existence when we read the letter to Galatians the church in Galatia is having its own little enlightenment period if you will it only took them six years um, so we we beat them um, in terms of stretching it out a little bit. Um, it's thought that around 48 A.D. is when Paul made his missionary journey to Galatia, set up a church there, got them all thriving um, on this faith of humility. This, this faith, that he, he wants to make certain that they understand that our faith in Christ is truly faith. There's not much control that we have over that. We are recipients of a gift. We are recipients of the breath of life that God breathed into us, we are recipients of the grace of Christ that frees us and gives us hope and a resurrection. Uh, Paul even points out, I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And from this freedom that Jesus gives us, that because of God, for you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love, become slaves to one another, and he goes on to say that be, the, that the uh, summation of the entire law well, it's the same thing it says in Deuteronomy, it's the same thing that Jesus said. The summation of the law is this: love God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the faith that. Paul preaches to the Galatians is the the way the church started. They recognize, they're excited, they galvanize around this gift that's been given to them. Because of God, we can unite together and use our gifts as one body. Because of God, we can set people free from the sin and shame so that they can have self-worth and go and do great things in the world. Because of God, we can face tomorrow. But it only takes them six years to dig into that human spirit. Right, the enlightenment was interesting because we learned the human spirit can do anything. Right, my, my dad always says, whenever a problem comes, he goes, just give it time. Human ingenuity has always figured these things out. And it took them six years for, them to, for the human spirit to come in. But here's the thing about the human spirit. is that The human spirit, instead of leaning into because of God, will try and figure out because of me. The human spirit takes over Galatians in six years and it starts to look back toward that practice of circumcision. And and circumcision is tricky because in, uh, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, it is because of God. Because of God, we will do this thing to our bodies. Because of God, we will mark ourselves. Because of God, we will sacrifice in this way. But as you read Galatians, it is abundantly clear that circumcision is not because of God. It is because of me. It is because I want to decide who's in and who's out. It's because I want to decide if I'm holy or righteous. It's because I want to mark myself as better than you. It took them six years to go from because of God to because of me. And even, here's the tricky thing they took God's idea and it became their idea. And that's a dangerous space. See, when we take God's idea and we start to claim it even unintentionally as our idea, the next step is that our ideas become God's ideas. And you know, when our ideas become God's ideas, well then we start to say who's in and who's out based upon things like the color of one's skin or gender, economic status, and I don't say economic status today, I'm talking about Jonathan Edwards and the Puritans in early America, when we let our ideas become God's ideas, when we make this shift of because of God to because of me, things get real dangerous real fast. And what's on my mind at the moment is when I've seen the discourse that we've had, when I've seen the solutions being offered. Almost 100% of the time, it is because of me. What is my idea cooked up in some basement on my phone that is going to fix the entire world if everyone would just listen to me? And you know what happens when, when we claim God's ideas as our ideas, and our ideas become God's ideas, is that if somebody is to say, you know what, I have another idea that might be a little bit better, all of a sudden they're not just questioning our irrational thought or our human thought. They are now questioning God's thought, and it's a lot easier to hate those people. It's a lot easier to discredit those people. It's a lot easier to just say to them, well, you are out because you're not circumcised like I am. Right? When we're faced with a problem, when we're faced with a conundrum, and we look inside of ourselves, well, the thing I think we've forgotten is that we didn't create ourselves. We didn't create ourselves, we didn't breathe life into ourselves we didn't shape ourselves we didn't form ourselves i don't know where we got this idea that i can look inside of myself and find all the answers and find all the solutions i wonder what your answer to that whole conundrum was as you're pulling up to a guard station because it's it's not just guard stations it's doubt it's fear it's enemies it's anxiety it's depression it's it's all these things that we are confronted with and we can see coming down the road is it's poverty it's inflation it's racism it's all of these different things And I wonder what your first reaction is usually is your first reaction when you see something that challenges you perhaps perhaps you're reading through one of the prophets in scripture perhaps you're reading the Sermon on the Mount in Jesus perhaps you're reading Revelation and challenges you I wonder if your first thought is is well that's not right because it's not my idea. And one of, the, one of the things I think we have, as we have forgotten, that we did not create ourselves, as we have forgotten that there is a hole inside of ourselves without God, if it's only because of me, one of the things I have, think we have leaned into is if it's only because of me, then I don't need anybody else. And the number of times In which we are adamantly supporting something adamantly asserting something without ever having cracked open the bible to see if it even fits without ever having gone to our sunday school class and seeing how does god fit into this without ever having called up a friend and say hey do you think this is something that christ would ordain with a 24-hour news cycle with a constant threat of social media We simply get sucked into problem after problem and get more into me and more into me. And here's the uncomfortable thing I think we've forgotten. I'm a sinner. We don't like to use those words. In fact, there was a whole movement to replace the word sinner with broken, which sounds even worse to me. I guess let me ask you this is, If the entire world were on your shoulders, would you really want that job? Would you really trust yourself in that job? Here's what Andrew, Hans, and Rolf did. Andrew, Hans, and Rolf had this, you know, old Opal van that they had. It was a very German van. And they would put 500 Russian Bibles in the back. And it started with just Andrew, and then they added Hans, they added Rolf, and they had this mission from God, and they'd go, and they knew that they were destined for trouble, and they saw the line, and they had to anticipate waiting in fear and worry about what could happen. And so they developed this plan that from the moment they left their destination in Holland, or wherever they picked up the Bibles from, um, one of them would be in silent prayer the entire time. And Andrew... Andrew would pray, he became known as Brother Andrew or God Smuggler, he would pray the same prayer every time. He would say, Lord, let seeing eyes be blind. And he would pray this probably 8,000 times. On the course before he got to the border of Poland or Hungary or Romania and then they had this other plan is when they got into the line um, one of them would drive and act casual and act normal and talk to the guard and one of them would sit in the passenger seat and they would be praying this prayer Lord let seeing eyes be blind and then the other one would be in the back and they would just touch one of the Bibles and they would just lay hands on it and they would just pray Lord let seeing eyes be blind let us let thy will be done on earth as is in heaven and for 35 40 years They never got stopped once, right? That's a miraculous story that our enlightenment minds say, no way. But have we tried it? We think it's skeptical. We're skeptical. We're doubtful because, because of me. And they are living in this fullness of because of God. Andrew wrote in his autobiography a story of one time when he was alone he was doing this solo for a long time and he was passing into countries and and he was amazed at how God had provided for him these blind eyes to just be able to cruise through these checkpoints and um uh, but one time he, he started to feel himself get really nervous uh, the guards were especially stringent with the cars in front of him and he hadn't done as good of a job as stealing the bibles and hidden he knew that he was toast and so he started to worry and in, and when there was only one car in front of him he felt this worry and he started questioning well what am i boasting in am i boasting in me or am i boasting in the cross of christ and he remembered this passage from Galatians, and he, and he talked about the only thing I have to boast in is the cross of Christ. If I get caught, the only thing I have to boast in is the cross of Christ. Paul was content in a jail cell, and I can be content in a jail cell. And so I need to continue. I'm just going to go forward. And so to show, to show that it was fully on God and not on him, he takes one of the Bibles on the back and puts it on the dashboard. And again, we're reading this. I'm telling you the story, and you're thinking, I would never do that. Right? You're either in runaway, you're either in ditch the cargo, bribe the guard. Hopefully none of y'all are going to shoot the guards, because that's not going to end well. I mean, you're thinking it's uh, incredible, But that's the audacity of someone who lives in a world because of God. Because of God, people treat other people with respect, audaciously. Because of God, people allow others to use their gifts audaciously. Because of God, people let down their guard and are vulnerable audaciously. Because of God, people love their enemy audaciously. Because of God, people give their lives so that others may live audaciously. When it's because of me, we are protected. We are guarded because we're trying to contain What we can control our pride our sin but we boast in christ because christ has come to free us so that we can truly love god and love our neighbor my encouragement in all of this what's on my mind what i've seen and and not just talking about the discourse i've seen but the patterns i see there's an old saying that the church is the end of the whip and it came to my mind in 2008, or post-2008, when there was the recession, and um, we noticed, when we started hearing about the economy getting bad, and I was over at another church, we started hearing about the economy getting bad, and um, we didn't see giving drop off right at first. We heard all these news stories, and everyone was asking us if we were okay, and we're like, no, we're great, but the way that the church tends to operate is something happens, and the church is the last thing to get affected by it. So people kept giving, kept giving, kept giving, until it got so bad that the church lost its giving. The giving fell out. And gradually people felt maybe ashamed by that or that they couldn't give anymore so they stopped coming on some level as well. And national national conscience or national morale became a little low and so people stopped for some reason turning to God in that moment. And then as the economy came back up, people, you know, started buying cars again, started buying homes again, started buying all these other things again, and, and all of a sudden people came back to church but giving did this and not just talking about presents i'm just talking about gifts but in all things the church seems to be the end of the whip the cross of christ seems to be the last thing we consider god seems to be if we can find time amongst the sports and politics And the school, and the job, and all the things that are good, and we love, and are great. But if God is just merely wedged into a space somewhere at the end of the whip, aren't we living because of me? And aren't we called to live because of God? Can you pray with me? Gracious God, we are sorry that we forget you. We are sorry that our world seems to forget you often. As we fit you into a convenient box for our own idea, as we fit you into a convenient box on our schedule, as we seem to wedge you in wherever you might fit, as opposed to this audacious trust this audacious respect, this audacious gratitude as we sing praises, God, with full hearts because of you. Lord God, thank you for setting us free. Thank you for the grace that you have extended to us, every one of us. Thank you for the amazing gift of your Spirit, which allows us to do good even when we don't recognize it. Thank you for being the God from whom all blessings flow. And God, we pledge to appreciate those blessings. We pledge to appreciate the life that you have breathed into us, to not take for granted that we are here and we are alive and we are capable. Through all the advancements in time, God, where did those come from? They came from you because you gave us the brain to do it. So God, we are sorry when we have forgotten you. And we know, we really know, that because of you, we can face tomorrow. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at CreekwoodUMC and our website, CreekwoodUMC.org for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.